Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right. Don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple podcast as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben off this cheek. This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of your favorite midweek podcast. That's right, London is Blue back at you. FA Cup time this this time, Dan. It's uh, Magic of the Cup, I believe they call it. Magic of the smack Liverpool down, down, down. That's what I think it is. Shocking from Liverpool, Nick. It's 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 almost like they played their B plus team today. Couldn't happen to a better team, you know. It couldn't happen to a nicer group of guys. Um, you know, I really excited that you know instead of playing with this ferocity against Bournemouth, that Chelsea saved it. For Liverpool, three days later after a a long uh, long couple of weeks, so uh, the the theme of the match that I'm just making up right now is just yo yo. It it's a yo. We're a yo yo. It is up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down. And today's an up, and you don't know when the next down is coming. Honestly, I mean it's. Yeah, well, it's the the story of the season for sure. I mean, that can definitely wrap it up into it. But more specifically, we will be talking about how much we love young Billy Gilmore and his his GOAT performance today. Absolutely fantastic from the teenager. Uh, We'll obviously have to talk about Return of the Keppa. We had a Keppa in the lineup, a sighting, and it went pretty well, actually. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, and then we can talk a little bit about, you know, some some different things. And then a little wild card, right? FA Cup standings, some injuries, day of the match. What in the hell is going on? 
Um, but before all that, gentlemen, we do have an iTunes review. So a love and appreciation should go their way, Dan. Yeah, T. Carlo leaving a little five-star love on Apple Podcasts. Coming in midweek hero, much like a young Billy Gilmore right there. So congratulations. Awesome review. Lifelong fan. Told us to keep up the great work. It's only been a Chelsea fan for over a year. That's okay. We're a big, we're a big tent podcast. It's true. Nicholas. We welcome everyone. Into everybody, the tent of Chelsea fandom. Everybody in the club. Duh club? The club? Nah. <laughs> All right, well, n- ignore what Nick just said. Leave mm. a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll shout you at the end of the next one. I wasn't even a big fan of it, to be fair. <laughs> well, a huge thanks to Kalen for joining us on Discord. Uh, he is already on, oh, I guess on Patreon. <laughs> He's already joined the Discord server. Uh, we've been having a nice little chat with him. Uh, so again, if you want sticker, badge, access to Discord, things like that, it is through Patreon. And then last one, Nick? Uh, yes. So, sorry we haven't had the, the talisman updates on, on the giveaway uh, yet, but we will have that for the weekend episode uh, after Everton. But just know uh, that we will be doing a giveaway with them. We'll also have a promo code again if you're if you're inter- interested in getting a, a talisman cap. We couldn't recommend them enough. We each have, uh, what, a hand handful of them, a baker's dozen mm-hmm. a piece. Um, they're delightful. They're high quality. So go check them out at talismancaps.com. All right. Well, it is match review time. Liverpool in the FA Cup at Stamford Bridge in case you missed it. Chelsea 2, Liverpool nil. So as we go back through the goals, it was William in the 13th minute and Barkley in the 64th minute. Tell you what, though, this could have been a 4-2, a 3-2, a 1-3. I mean, Dan, this thing was wild, but to set us up for it all, we need to know what was Frank's cup lineup. Well, he brought out our cup keeper, Ketha Ripawaga. Allowed him to, uh, you know, look, we, we were knocked out of the other cup competitions. So uh, very few sightings for Keppa. So uh, I had to bring him back out for the cup. Remember when he played like every single match under Maurizio Sarri? Well, yeah, he was the manager. He got to select himself <laughs> into the lineup. It was great. Uh, anyway, Keppa between the sticks, Aspilicueta, Rudiger, Zuma, Alonso. Uh, as kind of the back four here, um, you had Barkley, Gilmore, and Kovacic as the midfield three, and then William, Giroud, and Pedro as the front three, but they kind of you know dropped back and forth. Uh, bench included Willie Caballero, can't believe it, must be fuming. We have Kyle Tomori, Tino, Tino time on the bench as well, that Youth Academy continuing to shine this season. Mishi Bachawai as unused substitutes. Jorginho, Mason Mount, and Reese James all found their way onto the pitch at some point. But I think the big thing there, Nick, Billy Gilmore, the Mick Regista getting a little bit of a run out, and Keppa returning to the 11. Yes, I mean, it was an interesting uh, play from Frank, right? Because Jorginho is not going to be eligible for the next couple of matches due to his, his yellow card accumulation. So it was a big statement from Frank not to play him from the out, knowing that he wasn't going to have him available uh, for a couple of weeks. But uh, we'll, we'll get into Billy Gilmore's performance as uh, I believe the decision uh, that Frank made was absolutely 100% correct to put in the young Scotsman. Yeah, definitely. So uh, top line stats, Chelsea was 17 shots, seven on target. Better. Liverpool with 14 shots, five on target, 41% possession to Chelsea. Um, 12 fouls to their 13. No yellow cards to their three, which is kind of surprising. Hmm. Uh, and four corners to their 10. So 
an interesting stat line story. But as we get into the actual meat of this one is holy hell Chelsea, a.k.a. what team was this? And holy hell Billy Gilmore, you absolute stud. Uh, Gary Hayes tweeting a video of the fans in, in Sanford Bridge chanting, there's only one Billy Gilmore. They sing man of the match, hashtag CFC. And to give you a little perspective, Nick, all right, Billy Gilmore versus Liverpool tonight uh, via some stats, 38 successful passes with a 77% pass success rate, a vital chance created to one Ali Giroud, and that was after turning Fabinho inside out, six battles won, not challenges or duels, but battles Okay, two out of three successful dribbles, two out of two successful tackles, an interception, nine recoveries. What I see with this isn't, there are some big numbers in here, Nick, but more importantly to me, there's a little bit of everything. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've seen Billy play in the FA Cup before. We've seen him play in, in the Carabao Cup before. Uh, I, I don't know at any point if he's ever looked this comfortable or confident. And the irony is that he was playing against the best English side um, in in any competition this season so far in, in Liverpool and uh, against a you know a character like Fabinho who is a legitimate you know kind of world class DM and kind of made him look average at times and I think you know for Billy Gilmore I, I don't I don't know if it could be overstated Dan enough here for Billy Gilmore to step in after not having played in quite some time you know I think it was against Hull uh, was his last match. To come in uh, and and put on an absolute show, run the pace of the game, even though we didn't have the most possession, play some really crucial passes, break up play in midfield, uh, do all the things that we expect from a deep lying uh, midfielder, was super impressive. And I, you know, I don't know if there's enough praise to keep on him uh, as as of this moment. No, not at all. And he is deserving of every ounce of it. And I think that the tiniest bit of caveat has to be here is it's a single game out of a very, very long season. It's one moment, but boy, oh boy, if you were going to take a shot, if you're going to take a fucking shot of just going out there, he launched himself out of the cannon tonight, announced himself in Stamford bridge. And if this was a murder scene, like you could be blind and solve the crime of, who who had who did it? He had his fingerprints over everything. There was DNA all over the scene. He shut down Fabinho. He moved the ball forward, moved it extremely well, and got into some tackles that you know, frankly, I was not expecting him to to go in for. <laughs> he hit a little bit of a of a naughty side, uh, <laughs> Nick, and I just yeah, I mean, I I loved it. I loved it. It was it was a great performance. I think that the asterisk is only just it's one moment, but boy, oh boy, what a night for Billy G. Yeah, and, yeah. and Brandon, you you legitimately, I think I pointed this out. Like the midfield at at a healthier point of the year was our most crowded position. You don't really know where Billy potentially fits in this season or even next season if you have all your kind of pieces together. But do you think that you know even though it's a cup match and it was kind of you know B plus versus B plus sides. Do you think that he has kind of announced himself as a potential player for Frank for the rest of the year and even into next year? I mean, that's what Frank said, if you want to take his words for it. Um, Frank on the fifth stand-up post-match saying, Billy was incredible. It's easy to assess it as Billy the kid, but I just assess it on the performance 
and he performed like a top-class player up against another top-class player. He came on against Sheffield United early in the season, and people questioned him. Someone said to me, he looks like a 15-year-old boy, but I have absolute trust in Billy. He might be small in stature, but he's huge in personality and talent. For me, when I look at a midfield player, I think, do you want to receive the ball in areas and moments? Can you make angles and pick passes? Do you put your foot in? He does the right thing, and he's humble as well. Goes on to talk about his family. Lampard loves a Billy Gilmore in his side to the point where he said he's in contention to start against Everton. And I think that is huge for you know Lamps to come out and say that right away. A lot of people have been saying he looks like Sesk. I don't agree with that. Sesk was a specialist. Billy seems to be much more all around. I mean, we all laughed at Fabregas because he was slower and, and later in his career and couldn't tackle. As you've said, Dan, he'll, he'll stick a boot in. You know, he, he'll get chippy. He's Scottish. So you know he's not afraid of that side of it. Um, but his ability to be more of a classic number eight, a box-to-box midfielder, I think really offers something different to Chelsea, kind of like what we've seen with Ruben, just in a very different way. Um, but again, I can just see this loop of him open up, drag it back, lose Fabinho, and immediately slot Giroud in for, for a chance. And it was just so silky smooth. And again, like Fabinho is massive compared to him. But he doesn't see it that way. He's like, see, he just knows that he belongs on the pitch all around these players, and he goes out and does it. And I, I just thought that it was fantastic to to see it of him. You know, he has Kovacic and Barkley with him. Kovacic a little bit more disciplined, Barkley not. So for Gilmore to be the the one that the team relied on to keep shape and and to kind of hold the the ground, I thought was really impressive by him. Um, so, you know, good for him. Obviously, it was a, a bit of a wild midfield when Mount came in for Kovacic when he went off injured. Um, but just the way the team looked today, Dan, um, I, I don't know. Are they Were they up for it more? Was it because it's a big side and it's Liverpool? I mean, this is a Chelsea team who's performed like dog shit at home. World beaters today, absolute world beaters. Why? What's going on? So the two, the two things before we move off of Billy. One, the, I love the person who sent out the heat map on Twitter, uh, yep. and it's yep. just it is the goat as the heat map for him. <laughs> that was uh, that was quite fantastic. Uh, and then the one thing I will say is I'm not going to get tired if this is the way he's going to play all the time of his ability to keep the ball in motion at his feet when he moves into a stopping position to break and then completely change like change the direction he's going. That is a wonderful, wonderful thing to do because there's plenty of players on this side right now that do not go- do a great job keeping the ball at their feet moving at speed. And so that is something I'm super excited for. But beyond that, we should have beaten Liverpool three times this season at this point. And we finally got it across the fucking line today. Like, we finally made it happen. And I, I don't know. I think there's a little bit of magic of being at the bridge uh, in FA Cup night. I think, you know, maybe as a club, we, we respect that competition a little bit more than others. I think there's the benefit of, of Frank somehow just seeming to get us up for some really, really big contests. You look at what we've done with Spurs this season, you know, doing a double of Mourinho, what we've done now with Liverpool, where we took them to extra time in the Super Cup and penalties. We really should have won that first game earlier in the season in the Premier League, Nick. I mean, it seems like Frank is able at times to really juice 
the emotion and the energy out of this side and kind of get them up for what is a kind of like a rival match in our mind. For sure. I mean, it's so, this team is so wonderful and frustrating at the same time because you see what they can do today. Uh, You know, this, you know, I I don't think would be our, our A plus side if we, if we had to put one out, right. It was, it was a, you know, a side that has a ton of injuries needed to rest a couple of players. Frank has tried to rest Mason Mount for like five matches and he can't do it because of injuries. Uh, And, and they came out and just played with an energy and an enthusiasm and a fearlessness today that I was shocked by, frankly. I did not have good vibes going into this game. I thought it was, you know, another competition that we get knocked out of and, and puts even more pressure on us in the league. And, you know, it's another, you know, it's a tough Liverpool team. You know, they've been the best team all year, maybe in world football. I think they're, they're just a really great team. And, you know, it just, it couldn't have been flipped on its head more. And, uh, I tweeted something that, that I think is really important when I, when I think about the future of this team, because clearly this season's kind of been an up and down and, and a little bit of a yo-yo, but the energy pressing, passing and overall commitment that we've seen in flashes against Spurs, against Arsenal, against Liverpool this season needs to be the defining style of Frank Lampard's, uh, Chelsea. And, uh, some of those things are totally within Chelsea's control, Brandon. You know, the energy and enthusiasm and how they attack each game and how they get out on the front foot and how they're not afraid. That's within Chelsea's control. Obviously, you're going to have off games where passing or shots don't go your way, but it just felt different to me than what we played against Bournemouth. And, and it, why it doesn't make sense is that Bournemouth is a terrible team comparatively. Even Liverpool's B, minus or B plus team, whatever they put out there today is miles better than Bournemouth. And and we showed up and just put them to the sword early. Well, to be fair, Bournemouth defend with about eight Liverpool were defending with one today. I don't know what the hell they were doing. I mean, how many breakaways did Pedro have that, that, that never happens. Um, you're right though, obviously with the effort and the intensity and, and the, the way they attacked the game, uh, it was very different. And as I said, you know, they, Chelsea didn't have the majority of possession, right? So we, we had 41%. So that's a good amount of possession that was with Liverpool, but they were patient, they harassed, um, and and just, like you said, yo-yo, right? Good today, bad yesterday. No idea what we're going to get tomorrow. We loop in the loop or we walk in the dog. No idea. The problem is we need a little bit of consistency, and it doesn't happen a lot of time because of the injuries. We've talked about it. We're going to talk about it a little bit later. So... Um, there's no consistent lineup that Frank can ever have. Um, but, uh, as I foreshadowed to the one guy who, who's back in the lineup in Keppa, um, I'm really interested in to hear what you guys have to say about him is a, is a wild game. But before we do that, we are going to take a really quick break. All right. Thank you to these sponsors supporting the pod financially. When we're back again, we're talking Keppa. We can talk Pedro. We can talk Barkley. We can talk Divacari. I mean, guys, we got a lot of options. <laughs> All right. Be right back. Okay, so Kepatan, Kepagate. I mean, what do you guys want to call it? Which way do you want to go, Dan? I mean, do you want to be mischievous about Kepa or do you want to be supportive? I want to be supportive. I mean, he. Oh, there's a first. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, look, you know, he he made a save very similar to uh, the Tebow triple versus Hull City. That was 
a, a series of saves that will continue to be able to loop in my mind as they happen. Yeah, he, he was really great. He was coming out and claiming crosses. That was that was a first in a really, really long time. I, I mean, I just he looked restored. He looked rejuvenated a little bit. I think he, you know, the, the stat line here, Nick, was that he made five saves during the match uh, against Liverpool, and that's more than he made in any of his 24 Premier League games this term. So, I mean, that's a good number. That's that's a progress, but it seems like the time away, the time off, might have been the recipe to get him into a spot where the, the quicksand could stop a little bit and he could kind of actually bring himself out of the, the problem. T- tonight could have been the end of Kepa's Chelsea career, if we're honest. Like, if he would have gone out there and not looked focused, not looked committed, played terribly, you know, done some of the things that, you know, he got benched for, I don't think there's any way back for him. I, I think it was that pivotal, 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 good Lord, of a moment um, for him in his Chelsea career. And it was interesting, Brandon, to see, uh, you know, and I'm not sure if, if you picked this up or not, but it, it looked to me like he was talking more to the back line, um, whether or not, you know, they were listening, you know, we'll never know, but it, it just kind of showed a different, maybe more serious or focused not, not like he's, I mean, he's a professional athlete. So like, I'm not saying he's not focused or serious all the time, but it, it just looked a little different to me tonight maybe. And, and I think it was huge for him to make that triple save, you know, th- if if you're following Chelsea Twitter at all during the game and and I wasn't watching that part live, you know, I, I was on my on my Twitter, um the the timeline blows up. People are shocked, people are mm-hmm. excited, people are saying, Aha, remember when Keppo was the problem, you know, all, all the snark that you see on, on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, and it's huge for him, man. I mean, this was a huge clean sheet against a really good team. It's huge because he had to make saves as well. Like there mm-hmm. are those days where you take your clean sheet and just kind of run with it. I mean, this one he earned the triple save, you know, countless other other times, you know, when um, Mane cut right across the middle of our box. Thankfully, Mane made an easy save, but you still have to make it. You know, Adrian, we saw him shovel it into his own goal. Those things can happen if you're not focused and concentrating. Because if you think about it, Adrian played at the beginning when Allison was injured, but really hasn't played much since. Keppa has taken a stint on the bench, and as a goalkeeper to come back in, it's such a mentally tasking position that um, you have to stay engaged. You have to stay focused. As a goalkeeper, it's super easy to get distracted or kind of disengaged, but he was locked into that point. Uh, the entire time. And he, I think he was talking more. I think that is something different. Um, I, I have a feeling he felt the weight of this match and was not going to let it slip by, but that's exactly what you want to see out of, you know, a potentially top class goalkeeper. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, I don't look, Frank said Billy's in contention for this weekend. He didn't say about Keppa. So there's a really good chance he goes right back on the shelf. Um, it, it's kind of interesting you know, he's he's going to make Lamps think about it and have to make a decision on this. And at the end of the day, that's all you want these players to do. Um, you know, at the end of the match, what we have? You had Mane, Salah, Firmino, you know, yeah. all coming in. So it's not like, you know, it was, it was Liverpool scrubs or anything like that. I think they had, what, one, two... Three, four. Not like Origi's bad either. Like Origi's all right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So Takumi new, 
see Jones and Williams and Adrian, I would say those are like your bench type people. You know, Origi's in and out of the lineup. Lalana's in and out of the lineup. Mane is a, a world-class player. Fabinho's a starter. Robertson's world-class. Van Dyke's world-class. Joe Gomez is a starter. It, it, you know, it it just seems so weird that it, it went so well. But, you know, I, I don't know, Dan, how much you think this has anything to do with it. But I think you have to look at the back line as well. We're in a back four, not a back three. Aspi, Rudiger, Zuma. haven't seen him in a while. Alonso. Alonso's now played four matches on the spin after taking about four months off. So you think about he's got his Spanish outside backs. You know, he's got Der German in the middle. And then Zuma, who hasn't played much as well. I, that goes into it, is you know. Because why I bring that up is there's a lot of defensive lapses today. <laughs> that made Kepa be on his toes and ready. So it's not like he had a stacked back four that just, you know, stood in front and deflected everything. I don't know. He got a couple of uh, cheeky uh, fouls from <laughs> from Alonso on Mane that were, uh, that were quite fun throughout the match. I, I, I do enjoy the bastard side of Alonso's game from time to time. It, it definitely... It, it edges sometimes towards the stupidly irrational <laughs> with some of his challenges, but I don't know. I, I kind of feel like Liverpool's a side that's going to give it as good as they're going to, going to get it. And, you know, I, I enjoyed that. And I, you know, I think, you know, Kepa kind of finding himself in, in a lineup where, you know, Zuma and, and Rudiger, I think, put a little bit more of responsibility on kind of keeping back and, and trying to keep it locked down and letting Aspi and Alonso move forward. I mean that that had to give him a little bit more peace of mind that nobody was was freelancing out too far uh, and trying to kind of make the field a little bit shorter because ultimately like we were comfortable hitting it to Drew up front who was exceptional he was doing the France World Cup run Drew where you basically just landed on his chest let it land to him and he's gonna do, you know bring it out to Barkley kick it out to Pedro and kind of let the play advance around him Nick it was uh, yeah. it was it was this was a total team effort and there, there's more than Keppa and, and others to kind of call out here for some great performances. Yeah, it's all, it's almost as if you need a full team effort to beat a really good team, um, you know, which I think is shocking. Uh, a couple of call outs here, and then I, I do want to get a little bit into the defense because I think it, it matters when you look at Keppa's performance and it matters when you think about Frank, Frank Lampard's tactics. The first thing that I, I wanted to call out is the. Do you guys notice the little move that Keppa was pulling, where he'd start with the center backs within the box, and then they'd kind of pivot out and run the play where they'd go deep, and he'd hit it to Giroud. All that does, and, and why that's super smart, is because it negates Liverpool's pressing. Instead of playing it short and letting them come on to you, you basically give them a, a chance to run up, and then you get Zuma hauling ass downfield to go get a long ball. Because you want to push them back away from your, you know, maybe somewhat erratic goalkeeper. And I think that was a super smart tactical thing from from Frank. And it clearly annoyed Jurgen Klopp. And it clearly annoyed all of Liverpool's, uh, you know, kind of front press, uh, pressing players, especially Rigi. So I thought that was, that was number one. And then there was a really smart call out by J.J. Bull who uh, noted basically off of Watford's defensive performance against... Um, against Liverpool at the weekend, which, you know, they won 3-0 and that was glorious, that Chelsea were very similarly defending. So they had a really tight four. They would bring the wingers up to kind of provide some extra depth against, the, you know, the incoming crosses from Liverpool's fullbacks. And then they played with a really tight uh, midfield block of three in front of the play as to not let Firmino, Dan, drop deep 
you know, Ferbito or Riggi or any of these forward players drop deep and get the ball and then turn and kind of slice the open like they typically do. So I think those were two really smart tactical things from Frank. And I know I've kind of ridden him a little bit lately for some of that, but I think that was, that was huge. Yeah. hundred, hundred percent. And, uh, look, I mean, we mathematically are pretty much out of the title race at the moment, but I feel like the Liverpool collapse is finally on. Let's, uh, let's give it up to Man City or Leicester. He'll be crowned champions after everybody finally figured <laughs> Klopp out. Way I'll to go. What, this is the slide of the century coming. They're about to lose 15 in a row. Mark my words. <laughs> They're about to lose in the Champions League. They're about to lose and get knocked out of the FA Cup. They're going to get knocked out of the Premier League. Relegation bound. Let's go. Um, you know, kind of summing up the team, though, a little bit on who scored. Chelsea were sixes and sevens today with Barkley to stand out 8.6. Liverpool, on the other hand, were fives and sixes with Van Dyke being their standout at a 7.0. I think it just kind of shows you the difference in the game. Like, were we perfect today? No. But we were miles ahead of what Liverpool were putting out. Um, And to see Alonso at a 7.4, Aspi at 7.5, Pedro 7.7, William 7.6, Kepa 7.9. Um, you know, it's a it's a pretty good day out for the team. Um, it helps that Liverpool weren't at their eights and nines because if they were, let's be honest, I don't think this team stands up to that if it's all said and done. But that is what we call the magic of the cup. And that's what it's all about. I mean, Nick, you'd said you want to talk about the defense. Um, it a makeshift midfield, a, a, a forward attacking three of a bunch of old dudes. With no contracts, I mean, this the best is our part pub the team. Teams, the defense, <laughs> yeah, yeah, honestly, this is our pub team. Um, what wage bill? Uh, I mean, so I, I did talk about the formation, but I, I will quickly. Uh, so I'll jump from Zuma uh, up to Pedro and, and make that transition. Dan, um, I thought that Zuma, especially in the last twenty-five minutes, was absolutely ginormous for the team. He got in, made some really incredible tackles, uh, was amazing on set pieces, deflecting the ball away, along with Ali Giroux, who is always good at that. And I think just played his ass off. Um, conversely, uh, you know, and obviously William got the goal, which is a little gifty. Um, so, you know, I don't want to overstate that. But I thought that goal's Pedro. Goal. Yeah, goal's goal. Um, Pedro, however, I thought played an almost exceptional game. Almost being that he missed a one-on-one with Adrian uh, and and you know didn't score, but was buzzing all over the pitch and actually moving at speed all over the pitch, controlling the ball, going on breaks, setting up different players uh, on counterattacks. I thought both of those players caught my eye outside of Billy, and and I was really happy for both of them. Well, I definitely felt like on Barkley's goal, Adrian was was definitely keeping an eye on Pedro. And his positioning was terrible, but he was keeping that eye locked on Pedro, waiting for Barkley to <laughs> unlock the ball there. Barkley's like, no, dog, I'm just going to knock it in. <laughs> uh, yeah, but Pe- Pedro was you know, immense in this match and you know, shows that maybe it's not you know, an entirety of a season, right, for a 50-game spell in the Premier League, the Champions League, FA Cup, League Cup. He can, he can bring it at the level that he has previously, but... He definitely has his moments. He will definitely be someone if we get this across the line, if we can somehow win the cup, you know, get our top four finish. You know, every member who contributes, like the way that Pedro did tonight, like the way Ross did tonight, 
all, all of them deserve, you know, all of our affection and admiration because this has been, as we talked about at the beginning, a roller coaster season. And there have been players who've been really high at certain points at a low now and people who are were really low early in the season who are at their highest points now and are helping us win critical matches. So, I mean, Ross had a couple moments in the preseason, was the preseason hero, faded a little bit into obscurity for quite some time with a couple matches of just not great run of form. But to go into this match and, uh, you know, really kind of get the Evertonian kind of back in him, Brandon, offered uh, some some good moments in this match too. Frickin' Marco, another punt on Barkley paid off, just absolutely <laughs> crushing it in the gambling scene. Um, okay, well, enough about the positives, all right? It's time to bring yourselves down a little bit to reality with some negatives. Again, two more injuries, this time Achilles injuries. It's four in the last 12 months. Again, we don't know the severity of William or Kovacic right now. But I just, I, I know we touched on a little bit. Um, I know there's been quite a bit of discussion in the Discord. Uh, Shane and I are trying to figure out if we can find some data on at least the number and the severity of injuries that Chelsea have suffered um, like over the last decade. Because, I mean, I know their contact injuries and things like that. It just... It's just weird. It throws me off. And now we're, you know, going to the home stretch of the season and guys are dropping. It's, I don't know. I know it's just super concerning, Dan. Um, again, I'm no medical professional. It just seems like from the outside looking in that the number of injuries and the severity of these injuries are, are growing and I think that that's just a concern that every normal fan will have. Adrian, Dr. Dormer, Dr. Dormer, <laughs> please report <laughs> yeah. to Chelsea Football Club. Yeah, I, I don't know why any of us would be the individual who should be called upon to answer this question. I think at a certain point, though, it's just an observation. I wouldn't say a question, it, right? It, it's you're, you're trying to find, you know, is there a core correlation that we can be made between these injuries? You know, where is potentially the causation for it? And I think when you have two or three injuries on the side over the course of the season um, that are, you know, of the larger scale and more, you know, more difficult to recover from, I think that's just kind of you can ebb on the side. That's kind of a freak thing to happen. But when you have Conte injured, you have Ruben gets injured, Hudson Adoy gets injured. You have the Pulisic. injury now to William, to Kovacic, uh, Tammy Abraham with injury, Pulisic, Pulisic with injury. Like the, at that point, we're, we're we're starting to count on two hands now. It's damn near a starting eleven, dude. <laughs> I mean, it, <laughs> yeah, uh, we we, we FC, give field right? injury FC, and Jeez. they're going to uh, play in the hospital rec league. <laughs> uh, it's it's it it's enough that it's going to be something that I think the club have to look into whether it's our, our medical science program, whether it's our, our diet, nutrition, exercise programs uh, between now and what we plan for the start of next preseason, the next year. I wouldn't be surprised, Nick, if we announce that we sign some some new play, you know, some new doctors or some new individuals kind of from a physio side to try to revamp what, what's been going on. Because this is not the way I've ever felt uh, in maybe the past – 10 years that we've had injury issues like this in, in a singular season. Used to be a sense of pride for us, Nick, that we never had these injuries. I know, I know. And, and Arsenal would get hurt, you know, clipping their toenails. You know, it's just, um, 
shout to Chelsea Youth, who goes with an Oprah reference. Saw you that. get an injury, you get an injury, everyone gets an injury. <laughs> um, I, I mean, if you're Frank, I, I, and again, I, I don't know all the you know kind of components of why these injuries are happening, and I'm not going to pretend to. It's not, it's not our job. But you have to be thinking, you know, look, Williams not played that much recently, so he should be a little fresher, right? Kovic has just played a lot, so I mean, you're trying to find rest for either him or Mason, but probably not both of them at the same time. You you're giving rest finally to a nearly broken Andreas Christensen in the in the back. Mm-hmm. Cesar Pilicueta has played again almost every match this year and is is playing a full ninety again. Marcus Alonso four games in a row after sitting for four months. I mean, you start to think about all these things, and you know. It, it could it could just be lo- bad luck. It, it very well could be, but soft tissue injuries and tendon you know, issues uh, without bad falls for either of them. You know, it's not like they they were contact injuries or anything like that. Just it's real tough, man. It's real tough, and I mean those are two less options that we have at the weekend now in a really 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 important match against Everton. Like I cannot stress enough how you know how great it feels to beat Liverpool means nothing if you don't beat Everton. Um, it, it actually will make you feel worse and angrier. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just what you guys said, we, we got to look at the full picture. Everybody in the club, um, coaches, players, medical staff, nutritionists, everybody has to get better next year. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you, just, you, you hope for the best that these injuries... Uh, well, at least we have a lot of talent and prospects coming out of that field, but I totally understand. Um, anyways, we'll, we'll obviously keep an eye on it to the end of the season. A lot of matches coming up, some European tournaments this summer people want to stay healthy for. So there's kind of a lot of balancing that goes into this. Uh, you know, We're in the middle of a top four scrap, top five, whatever, that, whatever it's going to be with City. So um, look, Dan, you attempted to run a Dan in the match poll. You clearly realized that was not a good option. So instead, you just posted a blurry photo. Well, it's because it's a still in the script, but it's a Billy Gilmore GIF. flying like an eagle gif. And oh. uh, you know, I did, I did get called out by Ben on Twitter saying that, uh, damn, Barkley can't even get a nomination after his best game of the season. Ouch! <laughs> uh, to which I replied, it was an honorable, honorable mention. But Billy Regista Gilmore is the individual who is our Dan in the match. No question about it. A, a quick shout, Brandon, for Ross Barkley and Ross Barkley's goal. Um, I, you know, since we didn't really cover off on the goals at the beginning of the show like we normally do. Um, I was furious until he put some extra stank on it and, and blasted that thing into the uh, into the uh, left-hand side of the net there. Um, it was an impressive turn and run from him. And hopefully gets him going from a goal scoring standpoint, right? Because I mean that that had to feel good. I hope so. Um, again, though, the amount of space he was given and no one closing him down, I thought for sure he was going to waste that chance, especially with Pedro wide open on the right. But he absolutely smoked it. If you think about it, Williams, smoked his shot too. Um, it, I think it just shows when you give these types of players a little bit of space and time. They can do some mad things with the ball. And uh, look, Barkley buried it. Absolutely bossed it into the back of the net. Uh, Good for him. So as it kind of stands in the FA Cup, Arsenal, Newcastle, Sheffield, and Chelsea all won. 
So the rest of the result wise, we have Tottenham versus Norwich tomorrow. We have Leicester versus Birmingham tomorrow. We have Sheffield Wednesday versus Man City upset alert tomorrow. Just kidding. It's going to be Derby County upsetting Man United on Thursday. <laughs> Mark my words. Wayne like Rooney going year. home. Only if, only if Derby come and play Chelsea or we go and play them. That would be that Wild. would be a tasty fixture. Yeah. Um, so you know, it, we'll just have to see. There's still plenty of Premier League teams still left in the competition. You maybe you're going to see one upset out of those four. Uh, I don't expect Birmingham, uh, Sheffield Wednesday to do much. So it's kind of done Derby County. Um, so we'll have to see. But a little bit of uh, whew, a little bit of uh, foreshadowing at Opta Joe tweeting two on the last two occasions Chelsea have beaten Liverpool in the FA Cup. They've gone on to win the trophy in 1997 and 2012. Omen? Question mark. Might as well be. Well, um, in 2012, it would have been hard to lose the because we beat them in the in the final. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's I I don't know. Who knows? Maybe this team's gonna just go on a crazy run, and it'll be another up and down season where we win a trophy out of nowhere. Who knows? I mean, that'd be love it. Dream, absolute dream season. All right, so uh, normally we wrap, but it is a good shout uh, that a little bit of transfer news. Alex Tellez having a great season in Portugal, uh, scoring like a Marco Alonso, if you if you might. Um, heavily linked, sounds like Chelsea are trying to put on the charm offensive. Uh, Dana kind of goes into our discussion about the left-back role and do we keep one, do we keep none? What do we do? Clearly, this would be a huge play uh, addressing that concern. Well, when we think about it, you know, we, we are going to replace one of, I imagine, the two left backs in our, our side currently. You know, Matson might not be the promotable individual just yet. You look at, you know, between Emerson and Alonzo, you imagine one probably goes at the end of this season. Uh, Emerson to Juventus has kind of been linked pretty heavily. Uh, obviously, you know, Alonzo has been linked to to Inter with Conte there. Um, so Tellez is someone who's been on Chelsea's radar for quite some time, who's expressed through his agent. His agent said, yeah, you know, Tellez is going to play for Chelsea sometime. I don't know if that's one year, two years, three years, but he'll be there someday. He's only got a year left on his deal. Porto tend to be a pretty cash poor side uh, on, a, on a yearly basis. So if he's not going to potentially sign up for another deal. This is going to be a scenario, Nick, where they're going to look to extract maximum value with what's left on his deal. And he fits the profile of someone that we're looking for to to give Frank a, a little bit more pace on the outside. Uh, also someone who kind of is comfortable kind of crossing the ball in, assisting. Yeah, he, he ticks the boxes and, you know, looks like would be much much cheaper than uh, than a Ben Chilwell option. Yeah, I mean there there are you know you don't know the prices on these things, but you know it's been reported that on top of uh, Ziesh, um, and apparently it's pronounced Ziesh, not Ziek. So let's we're all going to struggle with that for a little bit. Um, apparently it's, it'd be another you know twenty five odd million on top of of what we've already pay, paid for Ziesh, which is like thirty three which is an incredibly good deal for a Champions League experience left back. Um, you know, although, you know, he'll have to step up and play in the Premier League, which is something he's never done before. So, I don't know. It, it's really positive for me because, you know, we we sat here a week ago after Bayern Munich and said, oh, man, we have 10 places that we need to improve the team. And, 
you know, striker and, and wing and all this kind of stuff. We've got to get faster. Tellez is fast. He's great on the ball. I think all the things that Dan just said. So, Brandon, I am excited to add a proper left back to the group, and let's see what happens next year. Uh, more to come on that. And then lastly, in case you guys have missed it, we did talk about it a little bit, but the Premier League are launching a Hall of Fame. Um, so we thought that maybe we could come up with three nominees that really should be on a ballot for something like this. Uh, so again, three Chelsea players from the Premier League era. Uh, if you were to put on a ballot, I think it'd be interesting to see. Um, my first nominee, uh, obviously quite easy, I think for all of us would be uh, captain leader legend John Terry. I think he is one of the most successful players in the Premier League era. And uh, with his longevity of a career in it, it would be my first name on the list. Dan, what about you? Oh, I think that is a strong shout. Absolutely has to be on any ballot there. You know, I'm going to go with uh, Drogba! Okay. As also being on a ballot. There's easier ways to do that, but... Yeah, uh, yeah. wow. <laughs> Are there? That's one way. Nick? Are uh, there? Go ahead and sing yours. Um, I don't know the John O.B. McKell song, but that would be my oh, yeah. be my pick. The closer, baby. I'm kidding. Uh, obviously, it's Frank Lampard, <laughs> the best Premier League midfielder ever. Although a second option would be Marcus Alonso, the goal scorer extraordinaire, baby. All Let's right, go. Right. Yeah, Hall of Fame. A, one at a time, it. Nick. One at a time. <laughs> uh, I would go Zola next. Obviously, uh, winning trophies, being an absolute magician, uh, absolutely lauded by everyone he played against. Uh, I would go with Gianfranco. Dan? So if we also think about other players, I'm going to go to the back. I think Brana. Bronislav has to be in that Hall of Fame. And he He's just an immense player. Huge, huge clutch activity. I mean, look, some of his best moments came outside of the Premier League. They were in Champions League, but man. And Europa League. And that's true, yeah. All right, Nick, your second one. Um, as much as I want to put Michael Essie in there, I don't. I don't think he's going to make it. Uh, although that was my dog. It's um, your ballot. Yeah, uh, I would. I would nominate Eden Hazard, uh, a tremendous player in the Premier League, scorer of goals, maker of assists, um, prover that uh, that anything is possible if if you have a a huge uh, huge butt and low center of gravity. Um, so. That is uh, Eden Hazard and Frank Lampard for me. Pretty pretty solid uh, yeah, tandem. That's exactly how I remember KG's quote going right there, too. <laughs> Anything is possible <laughs> with a big button and listener of gravity. All right. Well, my last one should be of no shock and surprise to any of you. Petr Cech, absolute legend uh, of the club, of the goalkeeping world. And, uh, yeah, that's what I want to round out my third nomination with. Dan. Yeah, also going to keep it on the back line again. Ashley Cole, you cannot oh. have you cannot have a Premier League Hall of Fame without the best left back in the Premier League era. He did all right for himself. Makes sense. Full effing stop. Full yeah. effing stop. Um, I was I was going to go with Cesar Pilicueta, although he's still playing and not eligible. Um, he will be at some point. He's been unbelievable uh, for Chelsea and not only because he was a bargain signing, but he's moved up, moved around um, all around the team and uh, is just a, an exemplary leader. So a guy that I, I really appreciate and like, all right, well let us know who your three are. Best way to get a hold of us is through discord, Twitter, Instagram, 
And uh, it'll be fun to kind of, we'll share some out as you guys send them in. So anyways, that is going to wrap this up. Hopefully you enjoyed the episode. Uh, we had to come up with some extra stuff because let's be honest, there's only so much you can talk about when you smash Liverpool again. So off we go. Uh, but until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do? Keep the blue flag flying high.